Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome to the True Wealth. As you can tell by my voice, I'm not David Littlejohn. Uh, he is out for the day, and he asked, This is Justin Bruggeman, and I'm with Matt Dixon. And we are covering for David. Which I think he's out somewhere, and what I heard is he might have lost some luggage. Yeah, he's probably out having too much fun, and here we are working away. Yeah, But we so. wish him well. Of course. So, an interesting topic that Matt and I were talking about yesterday, which of course we plan on preparing a lot for, mm -hmm. is, uh, and of course the day got busy and we didn't have a ton to, is, a ton of time to, is bias as an investor. Mm. Yeah, I feel like everyone has that like inner natural bias that they carry when it comes to investing. And I think today we're going to take an opportunity to go through a bunch of them. And you might be sitting there listening saying, hey, red flag, that's me. And if so, maybe you can use that to then say, hey, I figured out where my weakness is and I'm going to work to get better. Yeah, absolutely. And so when I'm looking, thinking, at which this is psychology, which I love the psychology. I'm not a psychologist. Why do you but, love the psychology so much? Because I love the way people's brains think. Yeah. And everybody is so different. And there's not as much right and wrong with it either. No. So it's like, it's hard to get this one wrong, right? Because we're just diving into how the brain works. And right. you can't be too right or too wrong on that. Which, not going too crazy into that, just because we're more talking about investing, which even Matt, so I know you have an older Ford pickup. I do. And a newer Ford pickup. It's true. So as an investment, which, by the way, this is not investment <laughs> advice, this is just the conversation. Nothing is, today is investment right. advice. <laughs> is So if you're looking at a stock between, mm -hmm. say, Ford mm -hmm. and General Motors... Yes. Where are you more inclined to lean towards? I'm definitely leaning towards Ford. I own Ford. I've always owned Ford. I've never owned a GMC product. So, yeah, I've got a little bit of bias towards my Ford products. Exactly. And so how much have you looked even the comparison between GM and Ford, not with a vehicle? You know, just as their you've stock. caught me red-handed because I've actually spent quite a bit of time looking at Ford stock, mm -hmm. looking it over, knowing the numbers, and because I just don't love GM in nature, I don't even bother to look at the stock. You caught me red-handed. Right. But does it mean it's not a good investment? Oh, see, there's my bias again. I'm like, <laughs> no, it's not. It's terrible. I mean, I, I have the same bias. I can't say the vehicle market just because I've had a lot. Mm -hmm. um, but when I'm looking at even investments, like I'm very biased towards Costco. I. You know what? If you're not biased towards Costco, I'm like over here like something's wrong with you because everyone should love Costco, right? Like if you can go in there and get a pumpkin pie for what is it like six bucks and it's huge. It's like four pounds. It's like, how can you not love that? <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's one of those is I'm in there at least once a week and we're spending money there. So in my mind, I'm like, why am I not investing something that takes so much of my income? Yeah. That... Which, of course, if you walk into Costco, it's been less than 200 bucks. You are a machine because 
and should I, be impossible. Right. So that's your bias, right? But then you've got the diehard Walmart shopper mm-hmm. who's like, well, I don't like paying the membership fee at Costco. I love Walmart because prices are low. There's your other bias because that's their store. Correct. And even as a personal investor, even as an investment firm, we have biases um, that are different just because that's why we have a team. Because if we're based on just my perspective or your perspective or David's perspective or Wes's perspective, there'd be a lot of biases. It's true. So or biases. It takes a team to kind of counterbalance everyone's ideas and say, hey, like, I know you're looking here, but I'm looking here. And then the group can come together and make a sound decision. So that's a good point. And which what I mean by bias, which pulled up the definition is you are either prejudiced in favor or against something. Yeah. And so that's good to clarify. Yeah. (laughs) Could mean a lot. Um, so s- circling back, it did a little bit of research. Is, I mean, there's whatever you read is going to tell you a little bit different, but there's some overlap between the few, which one of them that kind of stood out in my mind was mental accounting. Mental accounting? Do tell. I want to so, know more. I, so this is something I just found interesting. Is So if you find $100 on the street. Okay. I've done that before, by the way. I was like eight or 10 years old and I was leaving a UCC basketball game and I'm walking up the hill and there's a hundred dollar bill on the ground. I thought I was the richest kid in the world. Like when you're eight or 10 years old and it's like 1999, you're balling, right? Now you're like, I can almost get a tank of gas. Who needs an allowance anymore? Right? right. Like I'm done. I'm retiring. I got a hundred bucks. So I'm hijacking your story. We're deep in the woods already, Justin. So the mental accounting aspect. So you find $100 on the street. Okay. Are you more likely to, A, go buy something that you've wanted because you just found $100 or invest it? Can I choose option C? Is that allowed? I'll take it. Okay. Well, I guess it's kind of like, say, I I would put it in my wallet and just try and not touch it because I always like to have like at least $100 in my wallet for in case like I forget my credit card or something happens and I'm in a place where they don't take a credit card for some reason. I like the safety of cash in my wallet. But if that's the case, shouldn't you have already had $100 in your wallet? Yeah. So now you have 200 It's true. Yeah. There's some fishing lures out there that you'd be like, Yeah, right. I'd be I'd be spinning it on fishing lures. Justin knows me too well. And so the thought process is, which I actually think that sometimes what some people do is usually when it's out of your paycheck and you're saving money, mm-hmm. it's you you save money, you're more likely to spend fun money than you are savings money. That's true. And so when you get that's why I wonder yeah, if some I mean, people like when you get tax returns. The people that over. They don't look at it as their own money, right? Right. They look at it like, hey, this is some play money that's coming in instead of actually viewing it as, hey, that's my next chunk into savings. Okay. I see where you're taking this. In theory, it's like in your mind, it's, I didn't earn this. It was given to me, even Mm -hmm. though you actually backtrack as you did earn it. Right. You just loaned it to the IRS for a little while and Mm -hmm. it got back. Um, but you are more likely to spend it on more extravagant things in your everyday life. 
So I just thought it was interesting. I, I've never actually realized or read that term. And when I went through it, I was like, that really makes a lot of sense. So if I end up burning my $100 on fishing products, now I got to know. Like the question's burning in my brain. What does Justin do with his $100? Are you going to the, like, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to buy a new golf club? That doesn't really get you a full golf club anymore. It's but it's a partial one. Uh, honestly, I give it to my wife because if I have it, I'll just spend it on nonsense. Oh my gosh. Look at these brownie points you're earning on air. Well played, Justin. Well played. I just, I like to spend money. So that's, if you got to hand it it over to her before you just burn right through it in a matter of. What's that? You got to hand it over before you just burn right through it. Yeah. There's a lot of times, you know, coming home from a golf tournament or a Friday night scramble or something that if I win anything, it goes straight to her. There you go. I keep it. It's being spent. So do we want to jump into a few of these different biases that we might see? I think there's like what, seven or 10 main biases. I don't think we'll get to all of them today, but we should at least touch on maybe a few. No, it really depends on you know, which site you look at, which study. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen anywhere from three to five to 15. It it all varies. And the one I was sort of looking at was there's about eight, which we might cover all of them, but we'll see how far we go. Okay. Um, Which the first one on the list was anchoring or confirmation bias, which pretty much mean an investor whose thinking is subject to confirmation bias would be more likely to look for information that supports his or her, her original idea rather than investments to seek out information that contra- contradicts it. So basically you get one idea stuck in your head, you're sticking to it, and you're not pulling anchor. Correct. That's that's a dangerous field to play in. Just like when you have your drift boat out on the river. Like that's They say that's the number one way you sink your boat, by the way is the moment you put down the anchor or accidentally goes into the river when you're going through a rapid, spins your boat around. you got to watch out for that anchoring bias. Right. You can't just stick to your guns. you got to keep an open mind. And it's, it's about looking for information, even going back to the 4GM conversation. Is you, you don't really look at a lot of GM stuff because you're anchored to what you know. And I have the same thing with Tesla. Right. Um, do I want to drive an electric car? It'd be awesome. I think it'd be fun. Do I really want to own one? I have anxiety about it because I like to be able to hear the motor in the car and what's going on. Can you imagine how much anxiety you'd have if like, there was a line of people behind you like in a parking garage and somehow your battery went dead and oh no one can escape? That's happened before. I'd just get like, up, leave the keys, and walk away. and be like, it's yours now. Just keep a gas-powered generator in your trunk if you own a Tesla. (laughs) It defeats the purpose, but if you get in a sticky situation and you're way too far away, like, that's your option, right? So, yeah. So, anchoring bias is a big one because it's where people tend to lean. You can even translate that to news that you watch and things like that. You tend to watch news that supports your theories and once instead of going through different sides to see different aspects mm-hmm. um and so it is a really real thing also another reason why it's important to have a team so you cannot get stuck in these anchoring because my views and your views are completely i could care less if i bought a ford or a gm or a dodge you're I like really does care. it run and drive well right. 
Will it get me to point A and point B without breaking down? Do you even care about the fuel mileage? I do. You do? I okay. do. Well, you've well, got a little now. bit of a long commute, so I guess that makes sense. I do now. Um, you know, a year ago, not really as much. When yeah, gas, when so. gas is 450 a gallon or 470 or whatever it is, then you start to care a little bit right. more. So I think another one, another bias is, that's around is regret aversion bias. Um, kind of like where you're basically just bracing for a poor outcome and by default you invest with less risk and get a worse result than you could have. I think that's kind of regret aversion, right? Like you anticipate you anticipate having regret, right? right. And so when you are, when you feel like you're going in for a loss, you're going to take less risk and then it gets you less potential return. And it also even at a loss it forces you to not want to sell the position even if it's losing and may continue to lose. Oof. That's that sounds just terrible. Because you don't want to regret it because once you sell it, you've realized it. Yeah. So it can cause Like you you're admitting defeat in a yeah. way. Yeah. So you can tend to hold on to it longer than you should. Um, which can go both Even ways. when you're a professional advisor, that's a hard one, right? Like knowing when to like cut the the line. To and pull just the be, cord. Yeah, pull the cord and just be like, you know what? I'm going to admit defeat on this one. It goes against our human nature in a way. Right. Nobody likes to lose. Um which I'm wondering if we have enough time to, before we get to break here. I don't think we do. I think we've ran this one pretty long, don't you I think? think? We do. and, Does that uh, mean we need to take our first obscene profit break of the day? Yes, we do. Um, and so you are listening to True, True Wealth on KQEN News Radio 1240 AM, 93.9 PM. We'll be back after the break. Hey gang, welcome back. Um, if you missed the first segment, we're talking about biases and being biased as an investor. And so if you did happen to miss it, we need you to go to the website, click on the podcast section, pull it up, listen to the whole thing. It's available at littlejohnfs.com. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for saving did, me. Well, that was my best David yeah. impersonation. Did I? Did, it, was it close? It was nailed. Oh, it, man. So there we fun. go. Um, so we're talking, I still can't figure, is it different biases? Or D- yeah, different, different biases. Bias? We talked about two, but it, we still got quite a few of them to talk about. Yeah, there, there's still a lot. So the next one running down the list is the disposition effect bias. You had to like just sum that up into one liner. Like, what would you call that? Like, I want a better name. Like, some of the names they come up with these are just ridiculous. I call it the greed effect, right? Like, that's how I look at it. Like, hey, I've made all of this money. And I have friends that do this. They go up 200% on a stock, right? Mm -hmm. They like to day trade. They'll call me and they'll be like, Matt, you're never going to believe this. I'm up 200%. 
And I'm like, awesome, so you sold it. And they're like, no, I'm going to hold it forever. And I'm like, but you're playing with something that's super volatile, super unknown. Are you sure you don't want to take at least some of the winnings? No, Matt, I'm telling you, I'm going to be a millionaire. And then I always get a call like a week later. Oh, man, I really probably should have took some some winning on that. Why is that, bud? Oh, well, it tanked, and now it's worth nothing. It's like, that's like the greed effect to me. So when I hear disposition effect bias, that's where my mind goes, at least. Well, yeah, you can also do it as, it can also be perceived as selling an investment either too early. Yeah, so too early or too late. As you know, you had something, you bought it, ran up 20%, sold it, and then it skyrocketed another 40. Mm-hmm. And it's always a, oh, crap, why did ah. I sell it? Um, or losses is holding on to them too long. But then when you sell them, you're like, well, it's overcoming the losses. Yeah. So just, I guess it's kind of a term for like just not understanding correct timing right yeah and you know full disclosure if you could time everything perfect you can have our job like <laughs> i mean i'm probably sitting in my garage you know not telling anybody about it that's sit true there and double your money every day you better invite me over at right. least and which a lot of times it could be a lot of the harm like with the disposition effect that bias is it can cause you to sell things too soon, which can have adverse tax consequences as well, depending on the account. Everyone always forgets that part, right? Like, there are tax consequences to when you buy or when you sell. Long-term capital gains, short-term capital right. gains. We got to think about these things. And that investors. all depends on the holding pattern, whether you hold it long or short, um, or over a year or less than a year. That's the difference consequences mm -hmm. you can have. Um, Moving on, though, because that one isn't that exciting. We could talk about that one all day. We could. But we got ground to cover. So this one is that me and Matt were talking about. The, the break is hindsight bias. Yeah, I was kind of confused on that one because I hadn't heard that term before. And I feel like you had a really good explanation as to what it is. So I'm going to throw a definition out there for is what it, hindsight bias means, it leads an investor to believe after the fact that the onset of a past event was predictable and completely obvious. In fact, the event could not have been reasonably predicted. Do you have an example of an event like that? I do, and I mean, this is the best way that I can describe the event. So is, example is COVID. Okay. So when COVID happened it wrecked the market do you i do you have like a little ptsd from the COVID experience little, like the super early mornings and watching the market fall i mean what was your biggest day that you remember seeing the markets move yeah i can't remember the exact day but when they shut down trading for a yeah. you know, partial of the day that can make you a little bit crazy yeah i bet um but it also what the hindsight bias is is because the market dropped so fast. I think it was like 35% like a matter of four weeks. But the recovery was almost just as fast. Yeah, I mean, it fell off the face of the earth. It came right back. And you're probably sitting there trying to time this thing, right? Like you're seeing it fall. You can't get it perfect unless you're a magician. Right. But did you have any type of 
hindsight bias, like after COVID's over, like saying, oh, I should have known that was the bottom. Did you experience any of it yourself? Yes. I mean, to, a, we, to an extent. We did, but also you, you can't anticipate also the government funding, the mm -hmm. business funding, the personal funding. There are so many variables. And, and I mean, when you look back at it, you're like, oh, duh. I mean, why would I, you know, sell a lot of retail or restaurant, anything that has to do with restaurants, mm -hmm. sell all that and buy, you know, technology, yeah. Zoom. You know, at that time, you had even like AMC and. Yeah, um, if we could GameStop. all have predicted the GameStop right. and AMC craze. Which we'll end up circling back to the GameStop and AMC stuff here in a little bit. Um, but it's just a matter of looking back after the fact and saying, oh, I should have done it differently. Which the reality of it is a week from now, a month from now, a year from now, crazy things can happen. Mm -hmm. And when it happens, it can spark panic. And then it can spark, it makes move money move out and then in in different segments of the market. And it's just a cause that you look back into it and be like, oh, I should have thought of that. Mm -hmm. But at the time, not always. Right. But, you know, I'm looking down the list. I keep, my eye keeps wandering down this list of all of these different types of biases. And when you started talking about GameStop and AMC, it kind of is a natural transition for me at least into the familiarity bias, right? Like, what are you familiar with? And I've seen this from people before, right? Where, you know, maybe for the gamer, right? It's like, hey, I know GameStop. I'm interested in investing in that. Just like maybe NVIDIA. Hey, my computer has an NVIDIA processor in it. I'm familiar with this company. Therefore, I want to own it. And so... I feel like a lot of the times that can lead to a less than desirable outcome because you're taking on greater risk because maybe you didn't diversify enough okay, and you only invested in what you knew in. But there's also the flip side of that, right? Where it's like, there's that general old rule of like, don't invest into things. You have no idea what they are because right. I've seen people get burned really really bad on that so it's a really fine line in my opinion because you have to be familiar with your investments to a certain extent but at the same time you can't just invest in things that make you smile yes and so i'm gonna throw another bias at you oh my kind gosh of go along with that i hope everyone that's listening has a pen and paper out and they're just like taking notes because we're hitting you with a ton of different information so if you missed it and you're just tuning in i'm gonna pull another david you can always go back to the podcast and check That's it out right. <laughs> okay what do you got for me justin it is herd behavior bias well that one's not on my list so i'm gonna let you run with yeah. this no and so that was the you know the the game stock amc trade that you know, all the Reddit boards were blowing it up that all these people are investing it. So it's mm -hmm. like, let's jump on board. And but, boy, did they. But depending on when you jumped on board. That's true. Or when you decided to get jump off board, I guess, um, really can change that. So the media especially, because everything's so media driven right now, is people can start jumping on board with what everybody else is saying 
you know, on social media, even though it might not be a sound investment. Mm-hmm. And uh, then they end up, once they're in it, sometimes they have a hard time knowing when to let go. And I we talked about that earlier in the show, right? Like, how many people did you know that jumped on a GameStop or an AMC trade and then they're like, I'm just holding it to the moon. That was the coin phrase. I'm holding it to the moon. And unfortunately, for a lot of those people, that rocket ship never landed on the moon. I got to throw my brother on the bus because he's still on. Oh, some. on air, too. Yeah. Well, he lives in Good New Hampshire, brotherly so he's love. not going to hear it. Um, Good brotherly love. But the herd behavior really can, it depends on when you get the information, mm-hmm. it can really backfire. It's yeah. just because if you're jumping on the boat too late mm-hmm. and it's already been ran up, not including the fundamental analysis or anything like that, it's just running up, it can really cost you. Mm-hmm. Which it can happen. Holding things too long is a normal thing. It can happen personally investing. Mm-hmm. It can happen professionally investing. You want it to go crazy, you want it to go to the moon, and you want it to be consistent. And the reality of it is, it isn't always. Yeah, and I think like what we talked about earlier when we mentioned that's the benefit of having an investment committee, right? Yeah. Like when you're there on your own, clicking through the buttons, the buys and the sells, mm-hmm. you've only got one person to listen to. It's you, right? right. Like you're the only one that's influencing that decision. Whereas when you're with a professional firm, you have multiple people looking at this thing. You're not going to be as prone as a committee to make a rash decision. Yes. People are emotional. How can you not be right? Like it's your money. Like you worked really hard for it. Yeah. Even as an investment professional, we can get emotional. Oh, yeah. That's why we, there is multiple of us because it really is. It's sometimes walk in the office and one of us has to calm David down or one of us has to calm me down or you down just because we start, depends also what we're reading. We're reading this, this is going to happen. 20 minutes later, it's like, all right, guys, let's have a rational conversation about this. Yeah, I feel like that's another type of bias. You read too much media, (laughs) too many news articles. Get off your phone. (laughs) Look at the fundamentals. Right. (laughs) Um, But it looks like we're coming up again. We are on another break, break, aren't we? They just make us take so many of these profit breaks. Yes. Gosh. And this is Justin Brugman, and I'm with Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth on KQN 1240 AM, 93.9 FM. Hey gang, welcome back. This is Justin Brugman, and I'm with Matt Dixon. And you're listening to True Wealth. Again, we're going to go back and say none of this was investment advice. Correct. If you have questions or want to talk, you can always reach us at... 541-375-0898. That's where you go to get the real advice. (laughs) Or shoot us an email at info at littlejohnfs.com. There we go. 
So Matt, you were bringing up another biases, information bias. Yeah, it wasn't on our list today, but I happened to find it on my phone. And I think it's worth talking about because I think we're all guilty of it sometimes. And it happens when we go on the Google machine and we start looking up information and it's like, it's useless, right? Like you see an article that pops up where someone wrote the article because they have some skin in the game, right? Like they, they're they profiting from the news that they're spreading. Okay. Uh, it's just useless info. Whatever it is, it's useless. And you buy into it, you read it, and you're convicted by it. Whereas you would have been better off had you just read the prospectus, right? Like read the actual info on the investment that you're looking at and said, hey, does this meet my investment objective? And if it does, then maybe you consider it. But you can't take bad information into account and use that as a bias in your investments. Um, And also, on top of that, I'm gonna add, inside of that framework of your information biases, checking the daily stock price. I know way too many people that live in that daily moment of what is it worth today at this very moment, right? Like, look at last week. Look, I mean, if you had checked your accounts and you were just solely invested in the S&P last week, Mm -hmm. wasn't it like at 4160 and today it's at 45 something? So, I mean, look at the growth in just a week. I think it was since close of last Tuesday to this Tuesday, I think it was about 4.3% or something like that, but that's still huge. Yeah, it is. It's a big one week move. Yeah, so when we're using bad information and checking accounts on an hourly, daily, or minute basis, we are more prone to do unrational, silly things. Do you agree? I I do, because I think that when you look at certain positions... You know, because we watch this all day, every day. Yeah, it. I start dreaming about it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you'll you'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about like a stock price, and you're like, "Gosh, I need to get this under control." I've been Here's watching like, too many too many charts. Let me pull up futures. It's two <laughs> thirty in the morning. <laughs> Are you guilty of that? All the time. Okay. Um, Sounds like you're the guy I need to hire to to watch my stuff. <laughs> That's a sales pitch right there. But also the realization of that is that sometimes stocks move like 8 to 10% intraday movement. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of times if you look at, you know, your account or everything every day, at least you're getting what it opened at, what it closed. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times you don't see what happens between that. Or you don't adjust the chart to actually look back six months like, oh, something's up 30% (laughs) today. Well, it's down... uh, 85% 85% in the last two months. So that move isn't quite as impressive. So, and that's a great one. I like the information bias. That's, yeah. that's great. Um, another one to kind of, which this one is interesting as well, is the worry bias. Mm. Especially when you go through times where volatility, so movement up and down in the market, is high. And we've seen a lot of that lately. We have seen a lot of that. You have a rising interest rate environment. You have a war between Russia and Ukraine. That's a horrible situation. Mm-hmm. But people start to worry. Yeah. Which, as an invest, 
investor and an investment advisor is besting is what, Matt? Being rational, calm, and well thought out. And it's long term. Yeah. Not necessarily as it's always on a bad day that people worry. And if yeah, the next you don't get very many phone calls when the market goes yeah. up ten percent, but man, you better believe it. if it goes down ten percent, yeah, the phone's ringing. And so what it does is that's why as an investor you have a risk tolerance, mm-hmm. which and that just really is how much up and down swings is tolerable to where you can still sleep at night. Yeah. So what happens is uh, the worry bias is if you start worrying all the time, your risk in theory goes way down. I like how you said in theory. That's an important piece, I feel like, because just because that's what makes you sleep at night doesn't necessarily mean that's what's best for your situation. It's the short-term emotion. Exactly. And that's why as an investor, you have a risk tolerance. I mean, not necessarily everybody does. Depends if you do your own, then you might not necessarily have one. You just go buy the things you like or, you know, do your research in your own way. But as like a client, as an investor, you stay between the risk spectrum, which you have upside potential and downside exposure, which it's the risk reward relationship that you're willing to accept. And that risk tolerance can change it's true from day to day it can change but that's not reality is this is long term are you looking 12 months from now five years from now 10 years from now 20 or more from now it should change on how you evaluate risk yeah because even with you know a recent You know, people that went super risk adverse during COVID when it dropped 35 Mm percent. They're like, I'm pulling all my money. I'm going to sit in cash because I'm scared. Well, and we saw it with the Russia-Ukraine thing, too. I'm sure you can count uh, multiple people that said, you know, this is World War Three. This is the end of the world. And I can't stomach to be part of the investment pool. And that's perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But it also needs to be a rational decision not a short-term emotional one. Exactly. Because even the our thoughts is markets price things in before we're even talking about it. It's amazing how fast they react to information. Like, you'll wake up to a stock and it's like, why is the price like this? And then you find out, oh, an hour later. That's why, you know, they beat earnings or whatever the case may be. The information moves super, super fast. Yes. The worrying bias is is one that really can, uh, it's really relatable. And there's always terms when people get nervous, maybe you should get greedy. And when people are greedy, then maybe you should get nervous. Are you quoting the famous Warren Buffett? Maybe. I think you are. I like that, Justin. Could well, be. Well placed. Um, but the reality of it is, is this is, investing is long term. And so the short-term volatility, assuming non-economic collapses, you want to own the positions that you want to own long-term. It's true. And I think another piece of that is, I mean, if we look at it trend-wise, the markets, at least in my opinion, have 
started to react faster, right? Like information travels faster, the markets are moving faster, and we've seen some pretty, you know, the market get beat up pretty bad by the numbers, but at the same time, we've also seen it recover typically a little faster than it has in the past because I think part of that is just the information is traveling faster. You add things in there like computer trading on these huge block trades. Mm -hmm. um, and so the true price is reflected quicker. So, it, And it could be. And also it's it changes it a little bit too because the fixed income environment. Mm -hmm. There's not really a safe place to go that you're going to make I think, fixed money. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can go. You're, you're you saying know, the bond market's beat up a little. Bond bit. market, and you I mean you can go to even a, a 12 month CD. I don't mm -hmm. remember what the rates are. I know what they were a couple of months ago. It's like, you know, 04 percent for 12 months. Right, and when inflation is running yeah. it, they Six, claim seven. seven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're chuckling under our breath there, but um, yeah. So, it's got to make sense. The investment has to make sense. When two bags of groceries used to cost forty dollars, mm -hmm. now what? Yeah, we're all feeling that hurt. Yes. Um, so the biases is real, which, where are we at? We've covered a lot of them today, haven't we? So we've gone over anchoring bias, which is just, you know, holding on there for, um, and supporting those opinions and original ideas a little too long. We covered, what was the other one? Regret aversion, was it? Mm-hmm. Which was just bracing for poor outcomes and, in turn, you get some poor results. Mm -hmm. And what was the, what was the third one? The mental accounting was one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You talked about mental accounting and how we process that. That was good. And if you missed any of this, <laughs> go back to the podcast. I'm going to say it again. You can't miss this stuff. It's gold. And make sure to sharpen your pencil. Get out your notebook. Take lots of notes because we're throwing a lot of information at you today. And so, let's see. The last one to cover that I I'm like kind of thinking. I, I don't do. I don't know that we have time for it though. Like I feel like after the break we hit him with this. All we right. Can't, we can't give them the best. And we're we're going to talk a little about being overconfident. Okay. That'll be fun. You're so humble me on air, I, huh? I, I am. Okay. And so we'll be right, right back. You're listening to True Wealth. My name is Justin Bruggeman. I'm here with Matt Dixon. And they listen to News Radio 1240, KQEN 93.9 FM. There we go. Hey, gang. Welcome back. My name is Justin Brugman. I'm with... Matt Dixon. And we were just going through biases as an investor. And we've gone through a lot. We've gone through probably six or seven of them already. Yeah, we skipped around a little bit, so we're still circling back. Yeah, but we do have one more before the day's over. Might be two. Do we Amen. have two? Okay. I think we saved one of the better ones for last because I think it kind of applies to what we're seeing right now. So, Justin, right, what's the hottest sector right now? Energy. Energy. I mean, I think that everyone can see it, right? Like, you go to the pump, gas is expensive. Oil stocks, energy stocks are through the roof. They've had a huge year-to-date movement. Right. And I think it's easy for people to be like, hey, why don't I invest in energy? 
And then, but what happens if energy starts to tail off? And then you go and you say, uh, I don't know, pick one, uh, pharmaceuticals. Pharmaceuticals blows up. And then you try and chase that right. trend. Okay. And then, you know, three months from now, it's consumer staples. And you're chasing that trend. And then tech starts the boom. And you're on the tech bandwagon. Right. I feel like that's a hard thing to chase. And they have a name for it. Sector rotation. Sector rotation and trend chasing. Yep. Your trend chasing bias. Okay. Yes. So, what it, what's your thoughts on trend chasing? I mean, do you have you seen it before? Would what do you what is your overall thought process? On I this mean, one? trend chasing and which can also relate to momentum in a stock as well. So it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it can't. Yeah, that I it mean, can't pan out. Right. Um, but when you're looking at the trend, the trend chasing aspect is that's why, as an investor, you maintain diversification. Ah, uh, that I was hoping you'd get to that one because that's, I agree a hundred percent. Like if you chase a trend, like if you're all in energy mm-hmm. and then somehow the war in Ukraine ends tomorrow and Russia is magically forgiven by the world and they right. send a gift to the United States of a hundred million barrels of oil mm-hmm. and energy collapses overnight. All of your investments right. just took a huge hit if you're all in energy. Yes. And that's pretty theoretical and wild. Yes. But the exaggeration makes for a good point, I think. But the devil's advocate of that is mm-hmm. year to date, if you were a hundred percent in energy, yes, you're, you're a happy camper right now. Yeah, whereas the market as a whole still is kind of sad. It's still struggling a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah. So trend chasing is hard because usually by the time you jump on board, it might be a little bit too late. A little too slow to pull the trigger. Yeah, and that, and that can be common. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to foresee the future, know when yeah. something's going to peak, know when something's going to kind of end. And it happens so fast, right? Like, think back six months ago. I mm-hmm. mean, we were seeing a completely different story than right. we are today. And so unless you are super in tune with the markets and watching this every single day and reading all of the reports and doing all of the investment, you know, critiques and analysis it's a hard thing to do it it is trend chasing and market timing is a very hard thing and then that's why maintaining diversification is important is because energy can make up 20 percent of your portfolio at a certain given time Mm -hmm. but maybe not a hundred percent not a hundred percent yeah which and that's where it can outweigh is you know all this every segment of the market doesn't move in together right they move differently sometimes real estate's way up sometimes tax way up and so it really does change the the amount of diversification can also hurt and it can benefit Mm -hmm. which if you're super overly diversified then you can't target certain sections and be overweight in those sections which it can lag on returns and you're really losing out on that potential big gain too when you're overly diversified because when was last time you saw the the market just 
explode year after year to the tune of 35 percent well it doesn't go on forever yeah um we wish it did it'd make our jobs a lot easier oh yeah can can that happen please (laughs) (laughs) so another one kind of interesting as we're wrapping up here the next last few minutes is overconfidence bias okay which and this is going to turn around and wrap right back into some diversification is is if you are completely confident in a specific sector or a specific stock. Can we extend that to the abilities too? Like you're overconfident in your own abilities? Yes. Okay. And and that can happen. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you just go buy it, take everything you got, and you buy one certain thing, and you're like, eh, good. Some people you- can win. Some people will lose really hard doing it that way. Um, so it's a more the overconfidence is understand what you invest in. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not, you know, throwing a dart at a dartboard, you know, that just says, let's buy it. You know, I wish I've talked to David about it. He said no, but I, I'm going to vote yes on that just because I like darts, but like, what's the stock of the day? Pop. <laughs> It'd be interesting to actually get like a graph and start charting like your returns based off of and see how often you're right yeah i'm sure they've done studies on it i feel like you'd also have to blindfold me too because i'd be like trying to hit my favorite ones right <laughs> like i'm gonna aim bottom right i'm aiming for that ford stock <laughs> <that laughs> right we talked about earlier and no that's not investment advice <laughs> and so you know overconfidence can be a thing and also, it's okay to come and ask questions. So even if you're doing it on your own, you can come in and run investment ideas by us and we'll give us your opinion. Yeah, I'd like to think that we're pretty friendly. I think we can do that. Okay. And I know we're running out of time. Um, so if you need to reach out to us, 541-375-0898 or info at littlejohnfs.com. I am Justin Brugman and I'm with Matt Dixon. And you're listening to KQEN, 1240 AM, 93.9 FM.